This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. And welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Sarah Ray Lancaster, the arts and entertainment editor for the Pulse. How's it going, Sarah? It's going well. How are you? I'm doing well. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we got some fun stuff to talk about. Lots of things that people can do. Uh, we're going to talk about the upcoming festivities around Easter. We're going to talk about you know rehabilitating our bodies as part of this Living Well series that you've been doing, and also we're going to talk about rehabilitating our leftovers because we're going to have a bunch this weekend. And uh, you put together some tips on how to make those leftovers stretch a little bit more, how to kick them up a notch. I did, yes. I channeled my previous life when I used to edit cookbooks. So it was kind of fun to step back into that role and get creative with it and kind of figure out, you know, what will I be doing probably next week as I'm using up all of these leftovers in our own home. So Right. What does editing a cookbook entail? So editing a cookbook actually entails picking out the recipes, um, sometimes depending on what it was, maybe the theme of the cookbook, and then going through and selecting the recipes and editing them. So certain styles for how the recipe needs to be written, language at the beginning to describe the recipe, if there's some added value content as far as entertaining features, all of that. So what is your opinion on online recipes that have... 900 words of like life story information up front (laughs) and then, you know, 12, like 12 words on the recipe. I mean, I get it. And I think a lot of that is actually done because if it's not a recipe they developed, I think it gets copyright involved. I think that's what a lot of that has to do with. I think it's also (laughs) SEO stuff. The more you can plug in there to be picked up on search engines, the more. I say search engines, but I mean Google because there really aren't any other ones. Right, right. There's Bing and DuckDuckGoose or whatever it's called, but no one's using them. Right, right. And so I'll admit I'm the one that I just scroll, scroll, scroll until I actually get to the ingredients and the recipe. All right. So sidebar, since you mentioned editing a cookbook, I wrote a play about a writer who's kind of he's fallen from grace and he's not pursuing his dreams to make ends meet. He is I tried to think of like, what's the saddest thing that you could write for a living? And I picked manuals, like instruction manuals. Oh, yes. So like when you get your car, who writes all that? Well, that's (laughs) that's his job. Or like when you get you know, no offense to anybody out there that does that. I don't, I don't know that it's a real job, but if you get like a product and there's a little like manual, like an owner's guide, somebody has to write all of that. I mean, I used to write catalog copy for medical equipment and, you know, things that you would find in a hospital or a, you know, elder care facilities. So, I mean, it's kind of that same technical manual type writing specs and, and, you know, product dimensions. Right. I had the character describe what he does and then the other character was like, I didn't I didn't know that was a job. And he was like, well, who do you think writes all of that? <laughs> right. Somebody has to. So that was my sidebar on editing a cookbook. So let's jump into Easter stuff that's going on. You and I both have children now. So we understand that this time of year, kids start to crave eggs incredibly. Yes. So, And we have to hide them if we want them to last 
because right. they're going to get them all. Yes, absolutely. And so there are a number of places where we've hidden eggs across Door County, and these kids are going to look for them because <laughs> their hunger cannot be satiated. I think that that's what they're, I think they're hungry for eggs, right? I don't know if it's the candy that comes with them. I don't, or just even, I don't know. My son likes to collect things. So I think that's part of it too. Just, it's something to find and collect. So the fact that we're actually giving him a basket and saying, go get these things is just the coolest thing ever. I think it's a biological thing. You're coming out (laughs) of a long winter, children under the age of 12 their bodies need the protein. So they just, there you go. they become That's incredibly it. hungry for eggs. <laughs> and if we want to make sure that we've got eggs for the rest of the year, we have to hide these things. Hide them. And we color them to blend in with their surroundings. And, uh, that's how Easter started, I believe, right? <laughs> I'll roll with it. I'll okay. roll with it. So there are a number of uh, Easter egg hunts coming up this weekend. Can you give me a breakdown of some of the places that are doing big ones? Yes. We have at Wasita Farms, they're going to be doing one, which sounds kind of fun because kids that go to that can also pick up a tree because the Climate Change Coalition will be there helping with that. So that seems like a fun one. The Algoma Public Library has one going on on the 15th, actually, so Friday. So that's kind of kicking off the festivities. And then we've got uh, Heritage Village at Big Creek. This one sounds kind of like a fun time as well. They've got over 2,000 eggs hidden on the property. And they've got a, a kind of a, a nice way to go about the egg hunt where when you show up, the kids are given a bag that has a number on it. And then they're to find the eggs with that same number. So right. it kind of ensures that it's fair for all the kiddos and that's kind of nice. Right. There's going to be eggs all over the place, but the easy ones aren't all going to be snatched up right away. Right. So you can only get the ones that you have, have number. your number on yeah. it. Heritage right. Village is cool too because you have that kind of the area in the entrance which has the historic buildings mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure that'll be part of it. But then you also have the trails throughout there too. So there's a lot of room to hide eggs. Yeah, I think it'll be a good time. Yeah, I'm thinking that if we get to keep any eggs throughout the rest of the year, they're going to be at Heritage Village. Right, right. Right. And then you've also got some of the ones happening within the different villages and, and townships throughout. So you've got the one at Lakeside Park in Jacksonport. You've also got the one at Fitzgerald Park in Ellison Bay. And then the Sister Bay Sports Complex has one as well. So there's one on Friday. Is there one on Saturday? All the others are on Saturday. So the only one that we have going on right now on our list is the one in Algoma. Okay. And nothing on Sunday. Nothing on Sunday. I was really hoping for three days of Easter eggs <laughs> to try to <laughs> right. tire my Wear son your out. kid out. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, speaking of Easter eggs, another thing that you put together this week was some tips on doing some like natural dyes for eggs. Yeah. So I'll, I'll let you jump into that. But growing up, I always just used food dyes yep. or like the egg dyeing packs. The little tablet that you drop in the vinegar cup. Yep. Right. Uh, those not not good? No, they're, they're fine. This was just kind of something that probably... I was more so doing it as if I forget to actually go out and get Easter dye or Easter egg dye, what can I use? Not like store-bought dye is poison. No, no, not at all. Okay. I mean, it, and it's it's fun to use and you can get some fun colors. And I think they come with like the stickers and the little shrink wraps that go around right. the egg and it's all so that It's so often stuff. when people are like, here's how you can make a natural alternative to this thing that literally has cancer <laughs> in it. It's like, oh, so I was worried for know. a second. <laughs> no, this was just kind of something fun. If you want to do something different, I have some friends that really do some creative things with Easter eggs and... And I think this was my way of branching out from the typical thing I grew up doing and have done the last couple of years with my son. And really what's cool about it is it's all stuff I had in the kitchen. I didn't have to go out and get anything or it was something I could 
walk outside my front door and find it in the yard. So that was really fun. The one that my son got a kick out of the most was mashed blueberries, which is something we always have in the house because he consumes blueberries like none other. And so we mashed them and he thought that was really fun to mash them up. And then I went through the process of adding them to the water, boiling it, straining the mixture. And then if you add baking soda to the blueberry mixture that you've made, one bubbles up, which my son thought was awesome. And then it turns green. So all the eggs that you dye are this really cool shade of green, you know, depending on how long you leave it in there, a little lighter, a little darker, but he got a kick out of that. So I should mention, since this is an audio medium, that if you pick up the Peninsula Pulse on Friday, on the cover of the arts and entertainment section, you have a bunch of these eggs that you've dyed in these different colors. And I was surprised at how vibrant they were, too. They really were. Um, The turmeric, too, was one that was just this gorgeous golden color. Uh, That was probably one of my favorite. Coffee kind of did what you expected it to do. It was just kind of this nice, neutral beige. Kind of looked like, you know, eggs you might get from a a chicken off a farm or something like that. (laughs) So what was the one that was kind of, it kind of looked like a dragon's egg. It was purple with these dots and stuff. That was my favorite. That was dried hibiscus flower. And so if you don't have the actual dried hibiscus flowers, you can actually go out and find hibiscus tea. And so that's what we used. We tore open the the tea bags and dumped it into the water and made the solution. And it it did. It had this really cool effect where it almost was kind of bubbly and crackly on the egg and and dried with that. And then little flecks of the flowers also dried onto the egg. So that one was fun too. Yeah, it created this really interesting textured effect, like you said. So not only are there cool ways to get some really nice, vibrant pastels, but you can get some interesting designs out of it too. Right. And a lot easier than like painting an egg stripes or something. Oh, sure. Sure. I want to go back and just Try to see if, you know, doing the whole wax and the crayon drawing on it, if it'll still kind of have that same effect and that resistance to to seeping into Hmm. the egg. I would assume it would because really the dye baths were pretty much the same. It's water and vinegar, and then you're just adding that, you know, additional ingredient to create the color. But some other ones that you can do that we don't have photos of, these would be ones that are considered, I wouldn't eat them afterwards, but they are kind of fun to try. Acorns and tree bark which was kind of interesting. And those turn the egg what color? So the acorns can actually do a whole range of hues. And I think it depends somewhat on what type of oak tree it is. And then the tree bark is more of kind of a cool gray color, depending on how long you let it sit in the solution. Interesting. How do you even go about doing, do you have to like grind it up? Yes. Or? Yep. That's okay. it. Yep. So you're kind of, you know, mashing it up, grinding it up with the acorns. We just threw it into a food processor until it was just a powder basically. Hmm. And then add the water, boil it on the stove, strain it through. So you're getting rid of any of the powder that didn't dissolve, let it cool, add your vinegar, and then dye the eggs. Did you use like a mortar and pestle for anything? I'm not that fancy in my kitchen right now. Because <laughs> I was going to say, like, that turns this into alchemy. And now I'm now I'm excited. Right. But you could. Um, so because I could not find that as we're kind of decluttering, rearranging our kitchen, I used basically a bowl and I won't lie, the end of an ice cream scoop. And we just kind of hammered on that thing. <laughs> so I have to admit that we have a mortar and pestle that my wife picked up in Arizona and it's made out of some sort of stone. I would assume like granite. But I never use it because every time I do, it's really coarse and Mm. I get flakes of the stone in what I'm making. (laughs) Yeah, it's like what this this isn't for food then. It's not for making guacamole. It must be for 
some sort of alchemy. Uh, maybe dying eggs. Yeah, I mean, there if you, you if you have a mortal and pestle that you hate because it chips off into your food, then use it to do this. To do instead. this, and you'll be fine. <laughs> so, uh, side recommendation: the way that I'm going to do the eggs with my son this year is a tip that I saw from TikTok, which is whipped cream and food coloring. And then they can just go wild, right? making a big mess all over the eggs. And if you do the right ratio of whipped cream to food coloring, you get that kind of almost tie-dye effect where there's still white left on the egg and then streaks of the food coloring. So it doesn't just color everything uniformly. It makes cool designs. Fun, yeah. So that'll well, be our... No, our take f- some photos and show me how that turns out. Yes, that'll be our, our fun tactile way to do it since he's still too... We're still in that zone where he likes to mush things together. Absolutely, yeah. So that's kind of got our Easter coverage taken care of. Like I said, if you want to see pictures of the eggs, they're online. Also, you can pick up the Pulse. Uh, List of the Easter egg hunts is also on the front page of the Arts and Entertainment Mm -hmm. section. So if you need a refresher on that, pick that up. We are going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about rehabilitating your body with massage and then rehabilitating your leftovers because... uh, Spring is a good time to take care of yourself. And what better way than to get your beach body going and then also get your leftover game strong. (laughs) So we will jump back with that shortly. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring... For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwanee counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Okay, we are back. I'm trying to think of which one to tackle first. Let's do food first because after you have created, you know, these new leftover dishes, you're going to want to probably focus on your body again. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Was health a, was was that the prerogative in doing this or did you just want to make your leftovers really good? I just figured I'd need something to do other than make egg salad for the rest of the week. So I just wanted to get kind of creative and figure out a way to use them up. Okay. So was this based on like, hey, we're going to have leftovers after Easter. Here's some interesting ways to use those. Or is this kind of a a year round? Here's some ways to kick up common leftovers. This is more of a, we're going to have holiday leftovers. What do I do with this extra ham? What do I do with these extra hard boiled eggs? Okay. That's good for me because I do have a bunch of extra (laughs) ham in my, because my parents still live in Minnesota, we usually do our holidays twice. So we'll do one a week earlier with my parents when they come up, and then we'll do one on the holiday with my wife's parents. So that means we get a lot of leftovers because, you know, my parents come and they make stuff. They wanted to do the Easter ham and potatoes and all that this week, so we let them. But most years we try to do something different, like we'll do pizza for Christmas instead. Fine, Instead of doing the same big meal twice or Thanksgiving, we experiment with that because otherwise you're eating turkey twice. Right. And you can only have so much of a good thing. So, right. So what are some of your tips for using these leftovers in a new way? Sure. So with the ham, I just kind of went simple in my mind. I'm always looking for meals that will stretch out a couple of days to save us some time and just, you know, feed the whole family for a while. And so I took the leftover ham that we had and We combined it with some potatoes and some heavy cream and created this really wonderful, hearty, creamy soup. 
my mom makes a ham and potato soup. That is like my favorite food in the world. And I'm curious what your tips are for a potato soup. My big tip that I got from my mom is a block of cream cheese. Oh, interesting. That would be good. It adds a good flavor. And also it doesn't like melt like you like traditionally you would think. Like if you add cheese to it, the cheese like cheddar cheese usually would melt into it. But cream cheese doesn't really melt as much as it kind of forms little like nuggets Mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. So you just get these like flavor pockets of cream cheese. Nice, nice. Well, for the recipe, I mean, in the article, I pretty much just followed it straight through. Um, It's pretty simple. You know, you're sauteing your vegetables and your onions to start. You're then adding the broth and then you're adding the potatoes and the ham. And so it's it's pretty straightforward. But if I were to change it up a little bit for myself, what I would probably do is caramelize the onions a little bit first, not just saute them until they're translucent with the rest of the vegetables. So I don't know how much of a soup maker you are, but my brother-in-law is big into cooking and he... (laughs) He likes to make crunchy soups. So he'll do everything outside of the broth and then add the broth on afterwards. Interesting. That's kind of fun. Yeah. So like your potatoes still have some snap to them and like bacon still has crunch to it. I don't know if this is a thing or if he just was experimenting, but he he has made yeah, that Yeah, that actually sounds really good. You heard it here first, folks. Crunchy soup is in <laughs> for 2022. What else do we got? So the one that I thought was probably the most interesting and I'd heard of it being done before, but I wanted to add my own twist to it. And the basic premise was using hard boiled eggs to make cookies. Nope. I'm out. (laughs) I know. Right. Yep. I don't believe you. At first I'm like, wait, how does this work? This sounds awful. Okay. Now I know that I did the whole Easter egg hunt thing earlier in the episode, but like we can't do two (laughs) weird lies In one episode. It works. They're amazing. I will bring some in on Monday. What you do basically is instead of adding raw egg to the dough, so after you've creamed the butter and the sugar, instead of adding the eggs at that point, you are adding in diced, actually more so like minced, hard-boiled eggs. So it's just teeny tiny pieces, and then you're moving that into the dough about the same time you're adding the flour and all of that because it's more of a a dry ingredient really at that point. You mix it all together. It does create a dough that's a little stickier and drier maybe than you would expect for a cookie dough, but they bake up delicious, like super chewy. If you like a denser, chewier cookie, this is the route to go. I wish that we like video recorded these <laughs> I know, podcasts. The look on your face right now is priceless. I, I don't believe you, number one. It's total skepticism on your face right I now. I need you to go back and break this recipe down for me step by step because I don't... What's the binder? How does it make the dough? It's still the eggs. That's the weird science experiment part of it, which I don't fully grasp because I was more of the language arts, not the sciences. So I need to reach out to some of my science friends to to get the the breakdown on why this works but they're hard boiled they're hard boiled hard hard not liquid <laughs> you know there's it's no not. hard liquid it's like they dissolve when they bake because there aren't like when you bite into the cookie there aren't bits of hard boiled egg that's what i'm imagining <laughs> i'm imagining a chocolate chip cookie but not chocolate chips hard boiled eggs no, no, it's 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 just i used butterscotch and chocolate chips in mine to make it a little fancy and it just dissolved. Like there are no bits of egg. So, and then it does bind it together. The cookies don't fall apart and it's just this dense, chewy cookie. I 
I have no words. We should record this next, and I will bring in the cookies. And even though people can't see your reaction, they might believe you a little bit. Yeah, okay, all right. We're going to flash forward to after I've eaten the cookie, and we'll check it out. She was lying. No, I'm kidding. I didn't eat the cookie. I just hit the button to make the noise. All right, I... I will, I've said some wild things on this podcast before. I talked about, you know, pickled cucumbers. and Which I, I stand corrected on that. I, I even texted you that weekend and right. said. Right, so I felt very validated. Yeah. If, you, if you haven't listened to, I think it was the last time you were on, we talked about how there is a step between a cucumber and a pickle. It's called a pickled cucumber. And it's more like a cucumber than a pickle, but still has that like pickled vinegary right. flavor without being a full pickle. And... You thought I was crazy. My wife thinks I'm crazy. But you found out that there are actually pickled cucumbers. I found out at the Cheesecake Factory. I ordered the Thai chicken wraps, and there it was. Pickled cucumbers. Yes. Exactly how I described them? Exactly how you would describe them. All right. Let's move on from hard-boiled cookies because I... I can't. I believe it. I believe. I believe that it's real, and I encourage everybody to try it. The key is is literally mincing the hard boiled eggs, though. Like you don't want to just roughly chop them. You do want to make them fairly small. I would probably even next time use maybe the food processor and and go that route as opposed to you know taking my knife and mincing them up. Okay, we will check back in. If you bring the cookies in, I will try them and I will give you an update on our next episode together about. If this was real or some sort of elaborate, very late April Fool's Day. <laughs> Deal. Like, any other tips for kicking up your leftovers? I mean, really, I think it's just kind of having fun with it, getting creative. You know, the great thing. Yeah, with- you covered that with the hard-boiled cookies, <laughs> really the creativity did. part. I would say, you know, you don't really have to get elaborate with it. Even something as simple as, you know, adding it to salads, those diced hard-boiled eggs, the ham, you know, potatoes are so versatile if you're including those with your meal and a lot of the side dishes too. So just have fun with it. Yeah, get creative with those mashed potatoes. Make like a smoothie, put it in a food processor, (laughs) blend it up, you know. I don't know if I'd go that route with a mashed potato smoothie. I think the hard-boiled egg cookies are my... My max. We're, we're just, we're saying nonsense <laughs> at this point. All right. If you do eat hard-boiled egg cookies and you're like, man, I'm not feeling so good after that. One way to help yourself feel better, to kind of rehabilitate the mind, body, soul, as we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks uh, with your focus on living well, we have a guest article from Jennifer Munch about massage and how massage can help you feel revitalized, not just for your body, but for everything, right? Right. I mean, I I was interested in this piece because I think so often we think about massage as it's that extra. It's kind of that luxury item that maybe once a year, maybe twice a year, you know, it might be something we receive as a gift, you know, Mother's Day, Father's Day. But really there are some pretty solid health benefits to massage. And there are a lot of different styles of massage depending on what's ailing you. Right. I always hear about like you're massaging the toxins out, which concerns me because where do they go? (laughs) Right. Well, I think that's why they tell you to drink so much water after a massage to kind of flush everything out of your system. Ah, That's where they go. That's where they go. I was going to say, I'd rather have little pockets of poison all over my body than to just... (laughs) Just flush it all out. Okay. That makes sense. But I mean, there is a form of massage, lymphatic massage. And basically what that involves is just really light brushing where you have lymph nodes. So maybe up along under your ears and along the jawline. And the thought process behind that is 
especially if you're somebody that suffers from like those seasonal allergies or maybe as you're heading into cold and flu season or coming out of cold and flu season, is it's just one way to get that part of the body activated and moving as opposed to letting everything gather there and potentially cause illness. Right. Did she cover having people walk on your back? She did. There are actually some forms of massage that include multiple techniques. So that might be, you know, drilling a heel into some of those muscle groups where you really want to have a lot of pressure as well as, you know, hands and elbows. So there are there are different modalities that will cover that. So what's your biggest takeaway? Like what's the number one reason to get a massage? I think for a lot of it, it's just to keep your muscles, especially if you've had an injury in the past, to keep blood flow to those muscles. I think, you know, we're we're just kind of a, we can be very stagnant, I guess. We can, we sit a lot. We can, especially in the winter months, we're not moving as much. And then I think we can, you know, take on too much as soon as we get that really nice day and we're going to tackle everything, whether it's a project in the yard or we're, you know, going to start biking or running again, and then we pay for it. And I think the nice thing is knowing that massage is there and can really help complement just a total overall wellness routine. Got it. Now, I know that you and I are both unqualified to talk about this, but is that how they keep people like coma patients? Is that how they keep people from like atrophying with massage? I have no idea, actually. Well, I figured since you wrote medical journals. Yes, since I write (laughs) medical journals in my spare time, yes. Well, um, (laughs) you said that you wrote... um, column or oh oh that was i would do freelance articles for medical magazines yeah like hospital magazines yeah they never covered they didn't actually but i mean i know when i ran cross country in college when i would have an injury one of the things the physical therapists in training would do when the student athletes would go to them is massage on that area so for me my achilles tendon was always acting up on me And it was a lot of massage to get that blood flow to the area to help heal whatever was going on. Yeah, I, in theory, I love massage, but I also am awkward and I don't, like if I went to a massage parlor and they said, undress to your comfort level, (laughs) I would put my jacket back on. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Any tips for like first time getting a massage? I think, you know, First time massage, maybe ease into it with something like reflexology. That just involves your feet and there are pressure points or trigger points on your feet that correlate with different areas of the body. And so that type of massage will maybe get you more accustomed to that type of body work, you know, let you feel a little more comfortable. We did this with our baby. We would press on the bottom of his feet because it would help them calm down. Well, and it's interesting because even, you know, massage on infants and babies is something that's recommended just to help soothe them, help calm them, help with, you know, bonding between parents. So there really are a lot of different uses for massage. So I have one last kind of weird story since you're talking about feet. People heard me say that and immediately turned their podcast off, but trust me, this is good. (laughs) So I used to work for a all natural cosmetics shop. And one of the things that we could do when people come in is we could offer a certain, we called them treatments. So you could do a hand treatment and you could demo some of the products like facial cleansers, lotions, that kind of stuff. Basically what we would do is we would walk somebody through three different products in all some like one sort of thing. So if you did a hand treatment, you would start with like a sea salt scrub followed by some sort of moisturizer and then a lotion. Mm -hmm. You get to try all those things out on somebody using their hand and it would be a nice way to demo the products. You could also do a foot treatment 
which was the same thing, but with our foot line. So we had a mask that you'd put on and then you would wash it away with the scrub and then you'd finish up with the lotion. And I, okay, follow me. Every single word that I say is a potential red flag, but follow me here. I used to really like giving foot treatments, not because of feet at all, but because I'd get to sit down. Valid point. Yes. I would be on my feet for 10 hours a day at this store. And the only time I could sit down is if I did a foot treatment because I could sit on the floor and do it that way. Valid point. So people would come in and they would be interested in the foot products. And I was like, do you want a demo? I can do a foot treatment. I'm like, oh, no, you don't want to see my feet. And I was like, your feet probably aren't that bad, actually. (laughs) Most people think their feet are gross, but their feet are they're just feet. They're, right. they're basically they're rough hands. It's the same thing, but a little less creepy because they're not as dexterous as your fingers. Hands are weirder than feet. I'm going to, that's the hill that I'm dying on this episode. <laughs> hands are weirder hands than are feet. Hands are weirder than feet. Yeah. Hands typically don't get like gross or anything, but. No, probably for the most part. Yeah. yeah. And I will say every single person who said, no, trust me, my feet are gross. And we ended up doing it anyway. The feet were totally normal. Yeah. So. Except for the people whose middle toe is longer than their for their big toe. It's called the big toe for a reason. That's the other hill that I'm dying on this episode. And with that, we hit 30 minutes. So we're going we're gonna to say goodbye. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on and you chatting with welcome. me. You're welcome. It's always a good time. Yep. If you want to read anything more in depth or learn about any of the stuff that we talked about today, check out The Pulse. Everything that we talked about is in this week's issue in the arts and entertainment section. Encourage everybody to pick it up before they head out with their little ones to do some Easter egg hunts. I suppose you, if you're an adult or a teenager, you could probably do it too. I don't, I don't think they'd stop you. I think there's age limits on some of them. Some of them maybe not. So that or just, you know, borrow somebody's kid for the weekend. Yeah, there you go. That's good (laughs) advice. All right. Thanks. We'll see you again later. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.